the thunder mutters. Poetry and Music Podcast presented by Becky Dello and Adam Horowitz. Episode 9 John Clare's The Shepherd's Calendar, August. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of The Thunder Mutters. I'm Adam Horowitz. And I'm Becky Dello. And we're back with John Clare this month, celebrating August from the Shepherd's Calendar. We've still got the pandemic going on, uh, but lockdown is easing slightly. But that said, we're still recording separately. Uh, We're on opposite sides of the Stroud Valley. Um, And it's a damp and drizzly August day here but in a lovely muggy sort of a way. Um, But once again, the weather isn't much like the mood depicted in the poem by Claire, although we have had some stiflingly lovely heat over the last week. The August section of the poem, this actually reminds me quite a lot of lockdown because there's lots of manic work going on throughout it. It's the harvest. And then there's the complete collapse as well on the Sabbath, the Sunday, the the boys are just wander, wanting to wander off, and it just reminded me of the of the slight easing of lockdown. The way they're, they're kind of everyone's moving about and not quite sure, and collapsed in heaps in places. Collapsed in heaps in places. Yeah, that's me. As usual, our Kofi page is open for donations to help keep paying for the podcast hosting. That's www.kofi.com forward slash the thunder mutters. Any contributions greatly appreciated. And Kofi is spelt K-O hyphen F-I. Okay, so to kick off the episode, I play a tune which is in Claire's manuscript as the Portugal Dance. It's also known as Nine Pins and, more relevant here, and the reason I chose it, Oats and Beans. Uh, It can be found in another early 19th century manuscript with the same name, given by Claire, so perhaps it was copied from the same source and popular amongst musicians at that time. Next is Black-Eyed Susan. This is an Irish air and also an English song with lyrics published by John Gay in 1720. The reason it features in our August podcast is because Rebecca, also known as Black-Eyed Susan, flowers in August. Slightly tenuous, but you know, I'm really trying to get these links meaningful. Next is Cherry-Cheeked Patty, chosen because Claire mentions cherries. This one is a song melody and would seem to have been written into the manuscript from Claire's memory rather than him having copied it from print. So it's quite hard to interpret. Coolen is next. Uh, The melody is reputed to be Irish in origin and very old. It has an alternative title referring to Lady of the Desert which is why I selected it for Claire's August, as he mentions desert. However, when I researched a bit deeper, it transpires that the tune title likely refers to an Irish place name, desert, rather than a sandy barren land. Anyway, 
I quite like the tune, so it's in. Works for me. Dusty Miller, talking of what works for you, you chose the raunchy version of Dusty Miller. I oh, yes. Two versions, quite a nice gentle version, and then one that I titled Raunchy Dusty Miller, which is what Adam chose. I chose Dusty Miller because of Claire's line, the dust that winnows neath the breeze's feet. It's a song melody, although, of course, the tune could have existed independently and earlier than the lyrics. As a melody, it dates to at least the early 18th century, and it's got similarities to a melody in a 1692 manuscript. Roly is the next tune. I chose this because it's used as a song melody about a frog who went to woo a mouse. As you do. Uh, the ballad <laughs> dates back to at least 1549 and was also used as a political song in the 17th century stage play. Claire mentions frogs, so I thought this would be a good one to include. It made me very happy because I remember my mother singing me the Froggy Wood a Wooing Go when I was a small child and that tune just jumped out at me. It was lovely. And the final tune I play is called Gary Owen, who I'm not sure because I was never into them, but could have been a member of Take That. Um, was it Adam? Do you, did you follow Take That? That was Gary Barlow. Oh, wasn't there an Owen in it? Was somebody Owen? Mark Owen. Ah, oh, Mark Owen. I Gary know too Barlow. much about okay. this. Why have you dragged this out of me? <laughs> Your hidden past. Anyway, this tune is known by lots of other names, including the Battle of Limerick. And in fact, Gary Owen means Owen's Gardens, and it's an area on the outskirts of Limerick. It was reputedly a meeting place for lovers and for friends, but also has a more sinister past where local ne'er-do-wells would hang out and make a sport of wringing local geese's necks. The tune is thought to date from the late 1700s and can be found in Irish, Scottish and English print and manuscripts. I chose it for no other reason than it's a smashing tune and because the Battle of Limerick, according to Wikipedia, took place in August. This month's Tenuous Links by Becky Dello. Perfectly reasonable Tenuous Links. It works nicely. <laughs> so without further ado, here's Becky playing the Portugal dance. Harvest approaches with its bustling day, 
the wheat tans brown and barley bleaches grey. In yellow garb the oatland intervenes, and tawny glooms the valley thronged with beans. Silent the village grows. Wood-wandering dreams seem not so lovely as its quiet seems. Doors are shut up as on a winter's day, and not a child about them lies at play. The dust that winnows neath the breeze's feet is all that stirs about the silent street. Fancy might think that desert-spreading fear had whispered terrors into quiet's ear, or plundering armies past the place had come and drove the lost inhabitants from home. The fields now claim them where a motley crew of old and young their daily tasks pursue. The barley's beard is grey and wheat is brown, and wakens toil betimes to leave the town. The reapers leave their beds before the sun, and gleaners follow when home toils are done. To pick the littered ear the reaper leaves, and glean in open fields among the sheaves, the ruddy child nursed in the lap of care, in toil's rude ways to do its little share, beside its mother puddles o'er the land, sunburnt and stooping with a weary hand, picking its tiny glean of corn or wheat, while crackling stubbles wound its legs and feet. Full glad it often is to sit a while upon a smooth green balk to ease its toil, and fain would spend an idle hour to play with insects strangers to the moiling day, creeping about each rush and grassy stem, and often wishes it was one of them in weariness of heart that it might lie hid in the grass from the day's burning eye, that raises tender blisters on his skin through holes or openings that have lost a pin, free from the crackling stubs to toil and glean, and smiles to think how happy it had been whilst its expecting mother stops to tie her handful up, and waiting his supply, misses the resting yunker from her side, and shouts of rods and morts of threats beside, pointing to the grey willows while she tells his fears she'll fetch one if he still rebels, picturing harsh truths in its unpractised eye, how they who idle in the harvest lie shall well deserving in the winter pine, or hunt the hedges with the birds and swine. In vain he wishes that the rushes' height were tall as trees to hide him from her sight. Leaving his pleasant seat, he sighs and rubs his legs and shows scratched wounds from piercing stubs to make excuse for play. But she disdains his little wounds and smiles while he complains, and as he stoops adown in trouble sore, she sees his grief and bids him sob no more, as by and by on the next Sabbath day she'll give him well-earned pence as well as play, when he may buy, almost without a stint, sweet candied whorehound cakes and peppermint, or streaking sticks of luscious lollipop, whate'er he chooses from the tempting shop, we in whose diamond window shining lie things of all sorts to tempt his eager eye. Rich sugar-plums in files shining bright, in every hue young fancies to delight, coaches and ladies of gilt gingerbread, and downy plums, and apples streaked with red. Such promises all sorrows soon displace, 
and smiles are instant kindled in his face. Scorning all troubles which he felt before, he picks the trailing ears and mourns no more. The fields are all alive with busy noise of labour's sounds and insects' humming joys. Some o'er the glittering sickle's sweating stoop, startling full oft the partridge coveys up. Some o'er the rustling scythe go bending on, and shockers follow where their toils have gone. First turning swaths to wither in the sun, where mice from terror's dangers nimbly run leaving their tender young in fear's alarm, lapped up in nests of chimbled grasses warm, and oft themselves for safety search in vain, from the rude boy or churlish-hearted swain, who beat their stone-chinked forks about the ground, and spread an instant murder all around. Though oft the anxious maiden's tender prayer urges the clown their little lives to spare, who sighs while trailing the long rake along at scenes so cruel, and forgets her song, and stays with love his murder-aiming hand. Some tend the puffing winnow down the land, and others following roll them up in heaps, while cleanly as a barn-door besom sweeps the hauling drag we gathering weeds entwined, and singing rakers end the toils behind. When the sun stoops to meet the western sky, and noon's hot hours have wandered weary by, they seek an hawthorn bush or willow tree, or stook or shock where coolest shadows be, where baskets heaped and unbroached bottles lie, which dogs in absence watched with wary eye to catch their breath awhile and share the boon, which beavering time allows their toil at noon. All gathering sit on stubs or sheaves the hour, Where scarlet poppies linger still in flower. Stripped in his shirt, the hot swain drops adown, And close beside him in her unpinned gown, Next to her favoured swain the maiden steals, Blushing at kindness which her love reveals, Who makes a seat for her of things around, And drops beside her on the naked ground. Wearied with brambles catching at her gown, And pulling nuts from branches pulled adown by friendly swain, The maid with heaving breast upon her lover's shoulder leans at rest. Then from its cool retreat the beer they bring, And hand the stout hooped bottle round the ring. Each swain soaks hard, the maiden ere she sips, Shrieks at the bold wasp settling on her lips that seems determined only hers to greet, as if it fancied they were cherries sweet. 
So dog foregoes his sleep a while, or play springing at frogs that rustling jump away, to watch each morsel that the boon bestows, and wait the bone or crumb the shepherd throws. For shepherds are no more of ease possessed, but share the harvest's labours with the rest. When day declines and labour meets repose, the bawling boy his evening journey goes, at toil's unwearied call the first and last, he drives his horses to their night's repast, in dewy close or meadow to sojourn, and often ventures on his still return, o'er garden pales or orchard walls to high, when sleep's safe key hath locked up danger's eye, all but the mastiff watching in the dark, who snuffs and knows him and forbears to bark. With fearful haste he climbs each loaded tree and picks for prizes which the ripest be, pears, plums, or filberts covered o'er in leaves, while the pale moon creeps high in peaceful dreams, and o'er his harvest theft in jealous light fills empty shadows with the power to fright, and owlet screaming as it bounces nigh that from some barn-hole pops and hurries by, scared at the cat upon her nightly watch, for rats that come for dew upon the thatch, he hears the noise and trembling to escape, while every object grows a dismal shape, drops from the tree in fancy's swiftest dread, by ghosts pursued and scampers home to bed, quick tumbling o'er the mossy mouldering wall, and loses half his booty in the fall where soon as ere the morning opes its eyes, the restless hogs will happen on the prize, and crump adown the mellow and the green, and makes all seem as nothing ne'er had been.
Amid the broils of harvest's weary rain, how sweet the Sabbath wakes its rest again. For each weary mind what rapture dwells, to hear once more its pleasant chiming bells, that from each steeple peeping here and there murmur a soothing lullaby to care. The shepherd, journeying on his morning rounds, pauses a while to hear their pleasing sounds, while the glad children free from toil's employ mimic the ding-dong sounds and laugh for joy. The fields themselves seem happy to be free, where insects chatter with unusual glee, while solitude the stubs and grass among appears to muse and listen to the song. In quiet peace awakes the welcomed morn, men tired and children with their gleaning worn, weary and stiff lie round their doors the day to rest themselves with little heart for play. No more keckhorns in homestead close resounds, as in their schoolboy days at hare and hounds, nor running o'er the street from wall to wall, with eager shouts at cuck and catch the ball. In calm delight the Sabbath wears along, yet round the cross at noon a tempted throng of little yunkers with their pence repair to buy the downy plum and luscious pear that melt to the mouth which gardeners never fail for gain's strong impulse to expose for sale and on the circling cross steps in the sun sit when the parson has his sermon done when grandams that against the rules rebel come with their baskets heaped with fruit to sell that thither all the season did pursue in mellow gooseberries of every hue green ruffs and raspberry reds and drops of gold that makes mouths water often to behold sold out to clowns in tots oft deemed too small who grudging much the price eat husks and all nor leaves a fragment round to cheer the eye of searching swine that murmurs hungry by and currants red and white on cabbage leaves while children's fingers itches to be thieves and black-red cherries shining to the sight, as rich as brandy held before the light. Now these are past, he still as Sunday comes, sits on the cross with baskets heaped with plums, and genitons streaked apples sugar-sweet, others spice-scented ripening with a wheat, and pears that melt to the mouth like honey which he oft declares to make their spirits itch. They are so juicy ripe and better still, so rich they e'en might suck em through a quill. Here at their leisure gather many a clown to talk of grain and news about the town, and here the boy with toil's earned penny comes in hurrying speed to purchase pears or plums, and o'er the basket hangs with many a smile with hat in hand to hold his prize the while. Not so the boys that begs for pence in vain of deaf-eared dames that threat while they complain who talk of the good dinners they have et and wanting more is nothing but consist, vowing they ne'er shall throw good pence away, so bids them off and be content with play. Reaching her rod that hangs the chimney o'er, 
and scaring their rude whinings to the door, who sob aloud and hang their hats adown to hide their tears and sawn along the town, venturing with sullen step his basket nigh and often dipping a desiring eye. Stone-hearted dames thrifts errors to believe, who make their little bellies yearn to thieve, but strong temptation must the fears resign, for close beside the stalks in terror shine, so choking substitutes for loss of pelf, he keeps his hungry fingers to himself, and mopes and sits the Sabbath hours away, with heart too weary and too sad for play. So Sunday scenes and leisure passes by, in rest's soft peace and home tranquillity, till Monday morning doth its cares pursue, and wakes the harvest's busy toils anew. So that was Becky playing Gary Owen. Hope you've enjoyed listening to our August offering. And if you have, we'd be eternally grateful if you could help support the hosting of the podcast by donating a few pounds to our Ko-fi site, which is www.ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, forward slash the thunder mutters. We'll be taking a break for the rest of this month, but we'll return in September with the next episode. So please come back then and take a listen. So see you all in September and have a happy August. Stay safe.